Welcome to episode 31 of the Through the Point podcast. This week I had on my first 90-meter guest, the left-hander from Estonia, Magnus Kurt. He has a personal best of 90-61, was a 2019 world champion silver medalist, and also a 2016 Olympics Games competitor. We talked about his background of growing up as an athlete in Estonia, which is a country I know absolutely nothing about, as well as what went into his decision to not compete at all in 2020 and why that was the best thing for him right now. Obviously, we're super excited for him to come back next season fully healthy and hopefully without any COVID so he can compete and really have a successful season and throw over that 90-meter mark again. I feel like Magnus doesn't need much more of an intro than that, so if you want to check him out on Instagram, it's just at Magnus Kurt. Kurt is K-I-R-T. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy. I'm here with my first 90-meter thrower guest. I put a little bit of pressure on him that he has to impress you and make make it prove that he's a 90-meter thrower. I'm here with Magnus Kurt. Magnus, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting. Of, of course. I'm honored to have you on here. <laughs> Do you want to talk about how everything's going and I guess your progression of the whatever 2020 season was and kind of the decisions you made that we talked about earlier? Yeah, we of course, uh, it was... Uh, in some ways, it was good, 2019, and uh, but it ended quite uh, quite uh, rough. So I had an injury. So in um, in the end of October, I had a surgery in Estonia. Like there was one uh, Finnish doctor and the Estonian doctor like cooperating and made a made operation of to the to my shoulder and um, and it took quite long time to recover, like to get back to the normal rhythm of the training. I think some. Two three months, I wasn't uh, I wasn't able to do any weightlifting sessions. Uh, throws were really easy ones because I also had like some uh, this nerve damage, so it uh, took a little bit time to to heal or recover, and uh, and also needed the this treatments in the France. Like there was one, uh, there is one really good guy who was helping me recover. So yeah, we we were thinking that uh, that the progress is going faster, but uh, but uh, due to COVID also was uh, like the rehabilitation wasn't uh, maybe like as was as as was planned because uh, we wanted to go four times to the France, but we managed to go only two because of the COVID. So mm-hmm. so yeah, then then we decided to not compete uh, this season. Actually, there wasn't so many competitions. Also, of course, there was some uh, some uh, outdoor like um, some meetings and uh, some smaller competitions in Estonia. But uh, but we felt that we were not uh, in the same level what we were before, so it wasn't so so good idea to compete. So yeah, right. we we trained and uh, tried to get uh, back. Uh, as as uh, as the same level as schools, but um, yeah, now now I rested a little bit, some two weeks off, and uh, some five days ago I I started to prepare again for the season 2021. Right. Well, that's good to hear that you made that smart decision, didn't push it like you said for just some local competitions that you probably weren't a hundred percent to go do. But how was the situation in Estonia? Were you guys like really locked down, or were you able to get all your training in uh, how you normally would? Mm, yeah, we were. 
in some some moments we were like totally locked down like that there wasn't any indoor halls open but uh, luckily i'm from the small city and uh, we have our own gym where we can train whatever time it is uh, <laughs> so the gym was uh, the gym trainings were like 100% and also the the throwing sessions uh, because i'm from the small city so there's like all the time you know somebody so so i get like this special permission to <laughs> yeah. go and uh, do the training so actually for, for me for the in the training uh, side of view I, I i didn't miss any training so i I was able to train uh, normally like I wanted, only maybe because uh, of the COVID I had to throw some trainings outside, but uh, it was not the best uh, option, but because there was some 10 degrees then outside and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I still recovered from the, recovered from the operation. So we'll have had like uh, indoor likes and this uh, warmer uh, conditions <laughs> yeah. would have been better. So yeah, yeah. Well, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, it sounds like you made it through it. So I guess we could say it wasn't the worst thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, I was still able to throw and uh, do the trainings, and yeah, it, it was it was okay. Right. I guess before we get going even more in the interview, like, how is javelin viewed in Estonia, or is that like, what are the, I guess the popular sports, and how are you viewed? Are you like a big celebrity, or is it someone that you're still kind of unknown as like a, an American javelin thrower would be? I I think. Uh, the javelin or like uh, I think the the people take it like a track and field in Estonia like um, of course in the competitions uh, there's not so many spectators like uh, when you compare with the Finland because Finland is really big fan they're really big fans of the track and field but but still in Estonia I'm maybe not as uh, popular as a rally driver like we have a rally driver who was a world champion last year he mm-hmm. he is really really popular in Estonia but of course, I'm not so known or like some celebrity here, but uh, <laughs> I think that the people who like sports, they they, they know who I am. But right. but nothing nothing big, definitely nothing nothing big. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I wasn't sure what what the perception would be like for you, but I guess it's good to know that the true fans understand uh, what you've done. <laughs> yeah, we we had uh, like right now basically or like. 2019, I was the only traveling thrower from Estonia who went to the major championships but uh, like let's compare the year 2016 we had uh, we had uh, four four throwers like three three guys and one woman to go to the olympics so oh wow like like then it was i think the all-time best level in the javelin throw in in estonia but um but yeah now now this year or like 2019 i was the only one who went went to the major right. championships okay so do you want to go back, I guess, starting at the beginning of your athletic career in general and I guess what type of sports you're involved in when you were growing up? Yeah, I try. I started with, uh, with the, not with the track and field, but with the sports in my second grade. Of course, before I was like more like a street street athlete, like I, <laughs> I played a lot uh, outdoors and uh, like to do different kinds of stuff. But, uh, but on my second grade, I, I went to the training group group what my school uh, this physical education teacher was um, was having and uh, in there we did everything like we played basketball we played soccer we we ran we skied uh, we did everything and in in some kind of way I, I really liked it and when I look back to the to the years as I was kid I, I'm really happy that I was 
coming from that kind of way, not like that I was in some professional uh, track and field group uh, till my early, like from my early age. And right. uh, I think then right now I will be maybe tired of the track and field. I, I had a chance to, to have like this kind of play moment in the, in the sport, like till I was some almost 15 years old. And after that, the training started to go more professional. Uh, mm-hmm. At first, there was um, from the track and field. There was some three, four events. What I did uh, every competition where it was possible. Like the javelin throw, of course, was one of my fav- favorites. But also high jump, uh, triple jump, uh, discus throw. Like I did everything. And uh, and even when I came to the Tallinn to university, I still had uh, two events to choose from like a high jump where I was second in the like uh, Estonian championships uh, or javelin where I was sixth in the national championships. And, really? But I throwed tro- <laughs> with a lighter javelin, I throwed the Estonian record like with 700 grams. Mm-hmm. And and also the group was a cool, cool group uh, with who I, I felt like that I have a connection. So that's why I cho- choose the javelin. Like, and uh, yeah, then then we had a quite big group. Uh, I was training with uh, with some uh, then other throwers, I think, like even maybe more. And uh, with with the year, somehow like there was some different problems. The coach got a little bit sick, and uh, like the group uh, went apart. So me and uh, other other uh, athlete from the group, we started to train together, and um, in in some kind of way, we we were like. Um, in this kind of situation that we had to think uh, out by ourselves, like the plans and uh, listen right. from the other throwers or like uh, when we went to the camps, we were looking at other, other coaches and uh, somehow we managed to like uh, find a way or like, um, how say, uh, build up our own uh, training program. And um, and with, with my, this uh, coach, like who was Risto Matas, who was also throwing and uh, we, we trained three or four years together and in 2017 was the year when uh, when he went to the when he went to the work and uh, uh, I, I was by my own and then my friend Marek and uh, also or my physiotherapist uh, Indrek who's really good with the plans of the weight room and uh, running and jumping and now also throwing then we started to like work together and uh, we have worked uh, since now. Well, then something must have been going right if you've been doing it together that long. But uh, I like that idea of just you having to put it together uh, yourself and really piece that. So sometimes the best things come out of that desperation where it was like, well, I either figure this out on my own or I'm in trouble. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah, like uh, I think to find your own like this, not like I can't say that I, I have thinked out the system by my own. Uh, like, of course, uh, these years when I was training with Risto, we thinked out, uh, like he thinked out and, uh, but now like, uh, it's more, more about, um, what Indrek is, uh, like physiotherapist is, um, he, he like understand I'm not old yet, but, uh, actually like we have to start to think that, uh, like the 30 is already this kind of year that, uh, you can't anymore have like that uh, 110% of training. You have to <laughs> yeah. like start to like uh, decrease a little <laughs> bit uh, the amounts of training because I was training with really big uh, this amounts before when I was some 23, 22. 
mm-hmm. but now like if you want to have a long career so you have to decrease the amounts and Indrek is um, Indrek is really good uh, in this kind of way who who work out the plans now but of course he he listens my experience and what I have done in the past so I think this have helped to like uh, build up a really good training plan right absolutely so when were you first I know you said you were doing a bunch of events but when were you first introduced to the javelin and how good were you when you first started oh I have I have thrown javelin a long time but uh, <laughs> I haven't been a good so long time so <laughs> I, I was uh, I think like uh, the coach from the school introduced the javelin to me uh, quite quite early but uh, but uh, the first medal or like some bigger medal was i think when i was some 16 17 oh was, wow uh, like the, the first bigger medal like and it's like in the like estonian region medal not like some oh, like <laughs> some, some really big medal but it was like uh, like may- maybe like some before it was maybe some uh, like some this little county or regional medals but uh, then then this was a national like some 16 17 was the was the year i think this were you picked just because you were a good athlete or did they, you have a good throwing arm just naturally or how did they select you to start trying that? I think in in that time uh, it didn't even matter did you had a good hand or, or everybody did. Like we had uh, some 20 guys in the training group and everybody did the same things every day. Oh, there wasn't, okay. there wasn't uh, any specific groups like that uh, Oh, you to throwing and you to jumps like everybody did the same things and uh, every day was some different things and it, it 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 wasn't even track and field every day like it was what kind of like this uh, season it was was it like summer <laughs> or was it winter like uh, it depended on that uh, a lot right right so is that just how the athletic system is in Estonia or are you mostly through a club or is this through schools or how is the system like when you're growing up there mm, I think uh, it's it's more like a club system. Of course, of course, we have a school system, but it's it's very limited. Like, I think in the in the school system, they don't use like let's say javelin throw because javelins are really dangerous and they use maybe balls and uh, they don't throw javelin in many. May, maybe some schools are using, but I know, I know my hometown they don't use javelins in the school. But uh, but uh, the club system, I think it's quite good. Uh, l- let's say like. The place where I train in Tallinn, like we have some 300 little kids doing uh, athletics, so I think it's quite a good number. Right, absolutely. So then, as you mentioned, you went to the Tallinn University of Technology. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah. you went there uh, for college, obviously. But what was your training situation like? Was your training through the school, or was that just like you were in school and you were also training on the side? Yeah, I was in school and I was training on the side, like. Uh, it it wasn't that kind of system where you where you have in the like some daily schedule you have a break for the trainings and uh, and uh, that was the minus side of this uh, like if if I would uh, have to choose again like or if I have like uh, then then I then I wouldn't uh, do that again like this maybe I will have take like we have also option to take uh, this um, distance uh, studying so maybe I will have tried this because I was I was really struggling with the training some two years because uh, the school day started uh, 8 a.m. and uh, ended some 3 p.m. so 
it was it, it was really really hard to find the time like to train two times per day so yeah like i had a really like this bad two seasons then so yeah it, but maybe it, it was meant to be like this who knows exactly like we've been saying things have turned out okay but that definitely sounds more like high school uh than college at least this college yeah. that i'm used to were you ever like considering coming to the u.s to throw or how popular is that uh in estonia to like for college studying, yeah to come yeah to come study there it's really popular in estonia like uh i have many friends who have uh who have come there and uh, like study there right now even and uh but for me, I, I wasn't in like that kind of level. Maybe I, then I was throwing in the end of the high school. I was throwing uh, seventy-two meters. Maybe I had I had uh, I had uh, some uh, invitations, but uh, but I even didn't. I think I even didn't want it to go because I I I felt like in Estonia we have a quite good uh, level for the coaches. So. So yeah, it, it, it's quite risky business always to come. How like, of course, there's really good uh, conditions and a really good system, but uh, you never know how good you adapt. And uh, right. when you don't adapt, then maybe then all like already will be too late to like uh, to be later in the high level. So, right. Yeah, I, I was choosing to be in Estonia. But... Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense then, uh, especially with the javelin throw in the U.S. I'm in the U.S., so I know how it is. But sometimes it's not the best. Uh, compared to the world, so you probably made the right decision uh, sticking yeah, where you're yeah, at. But you have a uh, last year's world champ came from the system. Of the Th that is true, that is true, but uh, who knows? <laughs> so I guess that bad. <laughs> person to person. Yeah. Would you say, I, I'm interested now, this is a little bit switching gears. Would you say there were a lot of challenges you faced learning the sport as a left handed thrower? And do you think there are any advantages or disadvantages to being left handed in javelin? I think it's uh, for me. It's not hard to be the left-handed thrower, like because I have been like this, like <laughs> since I was like uh, introduced to the throwing. I already was like uh, I knew that I'm left-handed, and uh, I have always looked uh, the people or coaches uh, who have showed me with the right hand. And for me, it's really normal, and I understand the. Uh, really good and automatically can change it in my head like how I have to be but uh, yeah there have been some coaches who have said like that oh it would be really hard to coach you because it's 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 like left hand it's like different uh, <laughs> different technical uh, trainings and for me it's not like it's the same like it's for everybody and uh, there's no any advantages or disadvantages the only disadvantage is like this that when but when some coach say that uh, they can't train you because you're left-handed and it will be too hard like actually it's not true it's uh, there's no difference at all uh, i haven't felt anywhere that i don't understand or i can't do some things because i'm left-handed like no definitely. yeah okay yeah i was definitely interested in that because obviously I, I like every javelin thrower basically i watch a lot of film and I've, i'm a right-handed thrower so i'm watching it and it's exactly mm -hmm. what i'm doing but then when you look at it you got to think about doing it the other way but as you said you've been doing it for so long it probably makes it uh easy for you but i i never would have thought about coaches being biased uh towards you as a left-handed thrower i don't think that's a very good coach if they're saying they can't coach you it's too hard to just do it with the opposite side but i guess that's just my opinion <laughs> yeah it's, i think also there's nothing hard like i have, I have managed to to train with my coaches so far so yeah there haven't been any problems 
All right. Well, that's that's good to know. Uh, is there? I think I've heard someone say something about the way the javelin rotates is like disadvantage to lefties. I don't know if you have any comment on that or if you've heard that, but um, I have heard it, but uh, I don't feel it when I throw. Like, of course, that uh, how the javelin grip is. Like uh, sometimes, maybe with some javelins, it's not so comfy to have the fingers. Uh, the way of the grip is like for the more like for the right, right hand fingers, but uh, it's like uh, some little detail, so it's it's nothing big. Right, right. So, what would you say uh, was your first major competition that you had? This could either be, as you mentioned before, at like the youth or high school age level, or once you got more competitive in college and after. How was what would you call your first major competition, and how did you do during that? For my this junior and youth years, the first one was uh, Youth Olympics. Uh, youth Olympic Day was uh, in uh, Belgrade in Serbia, and there I did a uh, high jump actually, and uh, I was uh, <laughs> I was 14th I think there. But um, but then I had a junior and uh, U23. We have in Estonia U23 also, mm -hmm. so it's under 23. So we had uh, like this European Championships there. I there I was quite bad. I didn't manage to get to the final. But my first uh, adult uh, championships was uh, 2014 uh, European Championships. And I did there uh, 74 meters. And I was actually quite happy for that result. <laughs> so, so, yeah, th that was the first one. Okay. Do you want to talk about your progression uh, as a thrower over the years? When I was looking at your results, there was two years, 2013 and 2014, that you'd thrown 79-something, but then in 2015, you were able to get to over 86 meters. Like, what was the difference between those two years where you had a similar personal best, and then all of a sudden you have that huge six or seven meter jump? Like, what was, did you think was the key to make that uh, progress, even after that long time of throwing already? Mm, in 2012, it was the first year when I was like quite professional uh, traveling thrower. I still come, like made trainings uh, one once per day. Okay. There were like, there wasn't any more that kind of much school. Like uh, the, the focus was more on the trainings. And uh, in the end of that season, I did 76, 96. After that, we started to train two times per day. And uh, 2013 was really hard year because we were, I was quite in the age of the over trainings. So in the end of the season, I managed to do the BB because I was all all the summer I was like uh, like rolling up from this scale where I was, was like training myself, and uh, in the end of the season I did seventy nine eighty two I think or something like this, and uh, and uh, after that we started to train again like quite uh, quite big amounts in 2014 for me it was really hard year because uh, firstly i was like a little bit over trained again because i wanted maybe too much and uh, mm. also my father died so mm. so this this year was uh, like it was really really hard so i, I again throw some 79 i was i was really catching this uh, i tried to catch this 80 meters i was I don't know how many competitions I did with the summer. I think some 26, 27. Oh like in, in the end of the season, in September, I was competing over three days in some small competitions in Estonia. And uh, 
And after that season, my shoulder was so tired and it was hurting and I wasn't able to throw till the till the middle of March, I think it was when I was like start to throw javelin and um, but actually like some way it was good like uh, that I had to decrease my amounts in the training and uh, and this season uh, in the middle of July I already threw first time over 80 it was 82 and uh, and uh, then I managed to get to the world champs in Beijing and uh, and after that the pressure was somehow off and uh, and the season was almost over and uh, and uh, I went to the competition and the straight away felt like today is something different like the <laughs> feeling is quite good and uh, and the run up was really good I was I was in the first attempt I was too close to the line and I stepped over some 83 meter throw and I was like shit like that <laughs> that it, it it would be my BB and uh, qualification for the uh, for the Olympics and in the second throw I think I hit it one of the best throws what I still haven't like what I still have made so this 8655 was perfect throw like it was perfect hit uh, perfect speed and uh, yeah it was quite uh, there was quite big fuss around the throw like the the people think that uh, it's some fake javelin and some uh, <laughs> fake uh, fake measurements or stuff like this and um, yeah and then then I get the invitation to the first diamond league it was diamond league final in the Brussels and uh, and the totally were like uh, messed up uh, the competition i did some 78 uh, and that also gave more more reasons for the people in estonia to to think that this result what was 86 that it's not true so so yeah it was tough tough first uh, this uh, big bb so not everybody like believed it yeah, I never would have thought that they were think, accusing you of fake javelin. I mean, at that point, you'd already thrown 82. I mean, it's a big jump, but not that insane of a jump. Mm. I When I interviewed Cyrus Hotstetler maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, mm. his, he had came into a competition with the personal best of like 73 meters, and he left with 83 meters. So it was like that, that one, maybe there's a fake javelin there. If Cyrus is listening, I'm sure it wasn't, but I uh, just had to, had to bring that one up because that is just one of the most insane ones I've ever heard of, but I never would have thought that. And I think it's hilarious that you, you're you like, yeah, I might have been a little bit overtrained and you had 26 to 27 competitions in the summer. Uh, yeah, I definitely think taking a little bit off that would, would probably make it better, but that's definitely something I'm interested in because it's a lot easier to make those big six or seven meter jumps when you've only thrown a year or two but when you've thrown for a while you had a couple of years like you said at about the same mark and then all of a sudden you get that big one I, I definitely wanted to hear about that do you want to talk yeah. about oh go ahead no 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 uh, oh, yeah. I was uh, I was just like wanted to add like that uh, yeah this was uh, like definitely it was right child and I even like they measured it before the competition so. yeah okay good we're ver verifying it's legit is 86 was legit <laughs> Uh, do you want to talk about just like the mental and physical attributes or things you have to deal with to go from in, I think it was a decade, you went from 72, 97 to eventually throwing your 90, uh, 61. Like what advice do you give to athletes? Because I think one thing I've been learning a lot from interviewing all these people is like the amount of time and work it takes to really make the progressions like Sean Fury was like a 70 meter thrower out of college and he threw for like a decade and then made the Olympics with an 83 meter mark. Like it wasn't 
two years of hard training and he was ready to go, it takes a really long time. Do you want to talk about just your journey to get to where you're at now? Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's different, different types of people like who are really like talented uh, from the nature. Like, so they need maybe like not so much work uh, when they're in the like junior years or like uh, in the high school years. And, uh, they get like some kind of level quite fast. For me, I haven't been so talented. Of course, I have, I have been like uh, destroying like quite long time already. But uh, but for me, all the like this, some gym records or like some speed, running speed, everything comes like with the really big work. But uh, and and of course, like what I recommend to the young young throwers is like that you have to find your own your own this uh, rhythm or like the things what suit to you like what kind of what kind of type of thrower you are like are you more throwing from the from the like from the power or from the speed or is it like some this mix of that or and uh, and also for me it's like the, the amount of good throws like we had a one guy in in Estonia who said to me some I don't know some almost 10 years ago that you have to have the quality but not the quantity like of the throws and but for me now like with the years this kind of idea have changed like I, I try to make the quantity of the throws with a good quality so when I I think the the biggest progression have come from the the amount of throws what to do from the full run up in the in the preparation season in the winter like what the throw to the net but from the full speed, and I think this 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 uh, amount of throws what I did uh, before 2019, I think it was quite good amount. So that that's why I was so stable in the season, and that's that's what have gave me the meters in the past five years. Right, and that's something I wanted to ask about too, because you competed not I don't think 27 times in 2019, but you had a, quite a good amount of competitions. And I think 19. Yeah. yeah so it, like I said, yeah, not a small amount at all, but you had one of the most consistent seasons I, I've seen from people uh, when looking at your results. I think there was maybe one competition below 84 meters and obviously you broke the 90 meter mark two, two or three times in different competitions. Mm. So uh, that's really interesting that you think that's like was a major key to your preparation to get to that level because if it's one thing to do it in five competitions, but to do that over the course of an entire season is very impressive. Yeah, because when I was uh, when I was younger, we throwed uh, quite much from the half run up, and some throws in the end of the training uh, from the full run up. But uh, but now, last three or four years, I have thrown basically when I start to throw in the winter, I I start with the with the not the full run up, but the three like this seventy five percent of the of the run up, like and uh, quite quite fast it, it, it goes to the full run up and uh, I, I try to I have tried to increase the amount of full full run up throws uh, like every year but of course this 2020 was the mm -hmm. there wasn't a possibility to do that but uh, yeah this, this have been the key point I think. right absolutely and it's definitely a challenge for everybody this year people just had to make the most of what they had I know there are a lot of people lifting like buckets of sand or doing different things in their at their house and doing what they could so at least you were able to get most of your other training in but uh, definitely something uh, the listeners should be able to take away into what helps really that 
progression from because you're already when you're in the 70 meter marks you're already getting near that elite level but to go from 80 to 90 is a whole nother level from going to 50 to 60 or 60 to 70 or something like that so you need to uh, obviously be doing something different what are some of your favorite or weirdest or strangest stories about traveling from competition to competition now you said when you went to brazil for the diamond league that wasn't your best competition on the track but do you have any crazy travel stories of lost javelins or going different different places mm, i think first thing what came come to my mind was uh, last year's this uh, two 90 meter competitions in a row like uh, like when I went went to the first uh, competition uh, of this 90 meter, uh, like how to say, tour. <laughs> it was uh, it was really hot room and there wasn't any any AC there. Like it was broken, and so my coach went to the petrol station and he bought, bought uh, like this fan or like how to say like this uh, yeah fan I think. And uh, so I was sleeping with that and. Uh, Somehow I woke up in the morning and I felt like I feel quite good and uh, <laughs> and uh, that competition at row ninety and the next day we started to travel to Finland where was uh, Quartana Games and it was all day of traveling from the from the early hours in the morning till the almost till the some eight in the evening and. When I arrived there, then everybody said, oh, you must be tired and uh, you had some crazy trip and uh, somehow you have to manage to get that competition. And actually in my head, I already then felt like that, that I had some possibility to sleep in the bus and sleep in the plane. And, <laughs> yeah. and actually I felt quite good and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to jinx it. So I said, yeah, like, we'll see what the competition like uh, brings. And, and uh, of course it was like, uh, it was some three throws in the competition like second was 90 and the third one was i think x but uh, but after that i felt like i'm actually out of power so <laughs> uh, I, I had some fuel for the some two throws or three throws all it takes is that one good one so when you get that 90 then you can just rest and it was a good day so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> so you talked about earlier like when you got your sponsorships or now now i know you have some but do you want to talk about how it is getting sponsorships, who's finding them for you, and maybe some of the challenges you had to face uh, to get them? Mm, my sponsors are like, uh, my, with my sponsors are dealing one of my coaches, Marek, uh, who's also my out of competition manager, like competition manager is the other guy, but uh, he is helping with, uh, with the personal sponsors. And, uh, and uh, I believe in US it's also really hard to find some sponsors, but uh, it's kind of the same thing in Estonia. Like, of course, it's a little bit smaller, and uh, uh, maybe people should know everybody in here. But uh, but still, like, you need uh, results. You need some context. You need uh, uh, you need some good talk, some good preparation, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you, you have to have something to offer for them. You have to you have to you have to take uh, like uh, be in some com commercials or do some Instagram uh, posts or like uh, whatever but uh, when we started uh, with Marek in 2014 then it was uh, then it was really hard then it was like many doors we knocked and uh, many like many doors where we get the no and uh, but we still like uh, still managed to get somehow our budget so that we were we were able to go to some camps and uh, 
do the full uh, full preparation for the season. So yeah, but with the time it have like of course it have went more more expensive and expensive the 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 budget. So or like the budget have went bigger. So so yeah, but uh, but somehow we have managed to do that. Right, and you mentioned also earlier that there were a lot of times you'd go to places and you'd get no's uh, when you're trying yeah. to get a sponsorship. Do you want to talk about that too? Yeah, like of course when I was in 2014, my BB was 79, and uh, when he went to the into the door, like to some uh, to some uh, company, and they say that uh, I wanna be high level in the javelin throw, so. They're like uh, in in what place you're right now? So say like <laughs> I was some twenty fourth in the in the Europeans or something like that. So so that that it was really hard. But luckily I had like some this from the small community. We had a, we had a, we had a companies who who still believed in us and uh, and uh, with, with with these kind of sponsors we we still like. Um, cooperate we, we we are still like i i i want to say like that it's like almost like a friendship it's not the it's not the only business it's like uh, we know each other we we talk uh, and uh, it's it's not only like that uh, they give me money and or like uh, they help me with my budget and uh, i i make some commercials it's it's, it's almost like a friendship right uh, that's good to hear and it, it probably helps as you mentioned earlier that you're from a smaller area where you can make those connections with people I think who maybe Sigrid said she had something similar with that or people she was from a smaller area where people helped them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely nice to have those connections. And like we've like people always say, it's just more about who, you know, uh, <laughs> so being yeah, able to get that get that set up. That's that's nice. What are some of your interests away from the track and training? Like, what are you doing when you're not at the track? What do you enjoy doing? Mm, um really big fan of basketball I, when 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 i'm able I, I would like to play basketball i, I like to play disc golf and uh, now this uh, this uh, autumn i found uh, like out golf so i have a little bit played golf so yeah i'm one more like active type i i like to even when i have a uh, like this rest period so i have all, all this thing that actually i'm not tired from the physical uh, like side in the end of the season it's more like a mental side that you mm-hmm. that you're tired from this routine and this pressure of the competition so some i'm always active in my off season i'm i'm doing like this like like i said some dish golf or going to play basketball or or just look around uh, in estonia or, or maybe if it's possible to go some uh, some trip uh, somewhere where it's warm still and uh, have the batteries uh, charged so <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm more more like active type yeah, I'm always interested too in what people are doing when they're not training because obviously you're probably viewed to a lot of people as just a javelin robot or something like that where you go to the track and do your training and then go to sleep. Uh, but uh, yeah, just having that all those outside interests is something I think I'm learning is more important even than I would have thought before to make sure you have those things where if you're going to compete 19 to 27 times, you probably need to have something that you enjoy to take your mind off it once the season's over. Yeah, like uh, I think it's like javelin throw is a lot connected with the emotional side. Like when you when you don't have good this uh, emotional side, uh, then then the results also will not come. I think. Right. uh, Absolutely. So for you, why javelin, or why do you spend so much time at the track and training it? Like, what does it bring to your life, or benefit, or just 
why do you choose the javelin compared to something like you said before you were really talented in the high jump what is it about the javelin that you enjoy uh and enriches your life mm, i think the one thing is that i always have liked to throw something when i when i was already a kid uh, i was a really big fan of to throw the stones near the lake or like uh, throw throw ball or like even the basketball it's also ball and you throw it basically <laughs> but, uh, and uh, but yeah i have uh, like always been like into the throwing stuff but uh, the challenge like and when it start to fly and when it start to fly far so so it gives you like this really good feeling when you when you feel that hit or when it's good hit or like or like uh, for the people who's looking from the side then it's seem like it's only traveling through but actually we train almost like a decathlon guys and uh, and the trainings are are like really different and really exciting and they never get boring and uh, to to go really deep into the like this traveling technique and uh, try to find the meters and try to find what suits for you and what what what's best for you i think uh, all this together and and of course the competition feeling like when you have some big stadium full of people and uh, you feel this uh, little stress and uh, like, uh, <laughs> the ner nerves are like uh, the nerves are up. So, um, so yeah, I think all this together, like, uh, like, like the money side or the the famous side, like this, this even these are the like some last things I think what's coming when I when I think about the challenge throw, like the the excitement what you get from the competitions and uh, the good feeling what you get from the good hit is uh, i think it's uh, it's weights more than the other things right that you talking about the big stadiums just made me think of uh, most of the people i've talked to uh from the u.s that have ended up in those major competitions always say like that first feeling inside of a stadium is just like incredibly weird or strange compared to just the open tracks like do you want do you remember your first time inside like a big stadium competition and how did that go i think first when i was in in the amsterdam uh, european championships it was my first big like major like this championship uh, uh that i don't remember so much because i think there wasn't so much people but uh, mm -hmm. but I remember the 2015 beijing uh, when you went to the stadium and uh, I think there were probably some 20 or like I don't know how many thousands of people and uh, and the noise and everything was so big so yeah it it, it, it took for me to a little bit to get used to that kind of things and uh, like like it showed also this shows this that uh, first first time I was able to break through the qualification was 2017 so all these years before I was collecting some of this, um, uh, how to say that, uh, I don't know the English word, but like I, I had to get used to the, all the all the things and uh, learn from all my failures. Right. And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, 2017 was the first year when I was managing to get through the qualification and 2018 was the first year when I won the first like major medal. So yeah, it have, it have went like step by step. Right, absolutely. Just learning from all the mistakes or failures, as you said, and gaining that insight into what you need to do to be ready to step up. And obviously now you're at that point where you're really stepping up. So <laughs> wrapping up here, who would you say is your favorite thrower of all time and why? I think I haven't had any like one one thrower. Like, of course, I have looked up to the Jan Selesny and I have 
looked up to the Andreas Torkelsen like um, and and I have looked lot of videos of other throwers around the world like some old throwers or like some nowadays throwers but they're like I think uh, Jan and Andreas uh, I think these are the two guys uh, when I was younger and not maybe even that young but uh, like who have who who throws I have looked a lot and uh, I know quite quite many of their like competitions, and uh, mm -hmm. I I know their technical uh, sides and uh, how they throw, and I I really like how they throw. Like of course, Jan Seletnis, I think, uh, or they both are like this common answers for the throwers, but uh, but uh, but uh, but really they are good ones, and uh, like and I like the simplicity of their throws. Like it's nothing hard like it's they have think the javelin throw easy for them and I, I think it's also one of the keys how to think about javelin throw is it has to look easy and it uh, it has to be easy for you also like it, it can't be like that you think about some 100 things uh, <laughs> when you go to the competition like uh, then like quite quite surely you will like uh, mess it up right absolutely and as you said those are the most popular answers for throwers, but they're also very good reasons why that they're popular answers because everything about those two just, as you said, embodies what you want to try and do or they, they were able to do things, whether it's technically or mentally. Like I always think of uh, Andreas is just, you could tell his, his mentality was just amazing when he's in these competitions mm -hmm. that when they threw bad, it wasn't that big of a deal. But when he threw the good ones, he was still like pretty pretty calm and collected. So he's someone to look up to and obviously Selesny is always going to be someone to look up to so even though those are the common ones those are very good answers yeah and of course like if you look uh, the guys who throw right now like uh, I, I admire I admire how how Thomas is throwing uh, he have also really like he's really skinny guy he, he's not so big like some weight records or like some uh, weightlifting records uh, he's uh, but his technique is—it's. I like how how with how big speed he's throwing and how how good he hits the javelin. So yeah, like he he's also the guy who I compete with, but I also keep an eye on and I like his technique. So yeah. Yeah, this is this will be actually the last question because now that you brought that up, I'm interested. Like, when you see videos or like, how how much are you watching or I guess like you said, admiring or looking at people? That you're actually competing against obviously when you look back at Zelezny and Andreas they're done throwing but there's people like Thomas and Vedder and all these people that not only are they great throwers like yourself but they're also your competition like what do you what's that relationship like I guess I, I I don't take it like this because if you look two or three years back so I was the guy who they didn't even know about like I was the I was the guy from Estonia, like maybe some throwers like close by knew, like I was the quite quite small name and uh, I have grown up like this. I have looked a lot of throwers uh, like, uh, and if you take three years back, so basically they, they will throw right now also. So right. yeah, I, have, I have looked at all of their, like quite many of them like uh, who are throwing right now top level. I, I have seen quite many videos and I, I like to look the videos like I think because I like the challenge. So, <laughs> yeah, I like I like to look uh, like all kind of uh, javelin throwers how to throw. Right, absolutely. That's that's just something like I said when I write down these questions beforehand. I never really would have thought about, but you bringing it up just made me ask. But uh, Magnus, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. You were super responsive, and we had a good time pick, picked out. So I'm glad glad it worked out, and I'm glad to hear that this season, even though you didn't get to compete, your trainings were still productive at least and 
pretty much what you would have liked. And obviously, hopefully you'll be healed up by next year and able to make some uh, big success in the Olympics. Yeah, thank you, hopefully. Awesome. Thank you. Coast to coast, where I do the most, promise I ain't going ghost on you. If I make it out the stone, oh, I'm gonna keep you around. Swear to God, I'm not gonna switch on you.